everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast with me, your host, Alex Murray. So this week, we'll be talking about some updates for Thunderbird and Firefox, uh, GNOME Keyring, and the gift that keeps on giving GhostScript. Uh, plus, we're going to have a look at a recent report from Capture Lake that's looking at uh, hardening features in Ubuntu and other distributions and kind of comparing them and assessing them against some upstream lists as well as we're going to take some listener uh, Q&A. We've got a question that was asked over Twitter so we'll be talking about that as well. Okay, uh, so let's get started. This week, there are 16 unique CVEs that have been addressed across the supported Ubuntu releases. The first one is an update for Bind for precise extended security maintenance. I talked about this one last week. There were two CVEs here that were fixed. So if you want to know the details, go and check that out uh, in last week's episode, episode 21. But yeah, for our extended security maintenance customers for uh, Precise 1204, uh, you've now got that fixed for Bind as well. Uh, we've got an update for GhostScript. As I mentioned, uh, this is the package that we just keep seeing again week after week. And I'll be talking about this actually uh, later uh, where we had a question uh, via Twitter from a Twitter user uh, to us about this. But yeah, this was a regression, unfortunately, that uh, was caused by one of the previous security updates. Basically caused a regression where uh, for particular users, all of their pages that were printed would end up with a blue background. Uh, so yeah, basically wasting a lot of blue ink out there on Unfortunately, uh, yeah, but this has now been fixed. Uh, this was an upstream regression, like I said, uh, that we've now rolled out. Uh, for this one, uh, we kind of became aware of this uh, at the end of the uh, engineering sprint that happened a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the team basically backed out what was the original proposed fix uh, for that security issue that was now causing blue backgrounds on all these printers. So we backed it out uh, late at the end of the week while uh, getting ready to uh, return home. And then uh, uh, last week, this new update was released to actually resolve it properly, plus uh, include the security fix as well. So yeah, that's now been fixed for GhostScript. But yeah, thanks for the team, uh, in particular Chris Coulson and uh, Mark for scrambling to get this one fixed quickly for everyone. Okay, uh, we've got an update for uh, GNOME Keyring. Uh, this was fixed for Trusty and Xenial. Uh, this is a bit of a, an older issue uh, that had been fixed in later versions of GNOME Keyring, but we've now backported a fix uh, for the uh, previous versions. In this case, the problem was that uh, the PAM module for GNOME Keyring would keep your uh, login password in the clear in memory, such that if someone were able to dump uh, that uh, that child processes memory, they might be able to find your password sitting there. Uh, this had, as I say, had already been fixed in uh, later versions of GNOME Keyring. Now we've backported it. Uh, obviously, the fix here was simply to basically reset that part of the memory via PAM to make sure that it wasn't there in the session anymore. Uh, and this this kind of thing, uh, we've actually been seeing this being leveraged by some tools in the wild like Mimi Penguin and others. Uh, that has now been fixed if you are a trusty and a Xenial user still. Okay, uh, we've got a fix for LDB, the LDAP-like embedded database that is used uh, for things like Samba and others. In particular, it's used for the LDAP backend of Samba. Uh, and in this case, it was a crash that would be able to be caused when uh, searching with multiple wildcards. Uh, so yeah, uh, in this case, what would happen is that uh, an out-of-bound read would occur. Essentially, the backend would read too much memory off the heap and you know you might get a crash as a result but that's now been fixed. We've got an update for Firefox. So this updates Firefox to the latest version 65, which includes three different CVEs that have been fixed for Trusty, Xenial, Bionic, and Cosmic. 
Uh, two of these were in the Skia graphics library. Uh, this is a bit similar to Cairo if you've ever uh, used graphics libraries before, basically doing vector graphics operations. Uh, but yeah, um, this is used for a lot of the rendering in Firefox. Uh, so there was a use after free there that was fixed and an integer overflow. And there was also the third CVE, which was a cross-origin image theft. So yeah, what's that? Basically, uh, where you might say have JavaScript that was from one site that's loaded uh, for a particular page, and then it could uh, potentially read image data that had been loaded from another site origin, basically violating the same origin policy uh, using the transfer from image bitmap method. But yeah, that's now been fixed. We've got an update for Thunderbird. So this includes a couple of those uh, ones that I mentioned for Firefox, in particular the two fixes for the issues in the Skia library have been fixed, uh, plus five others. So there were seven CVEs there fixed for Thunderbird. For uh, the latest version there, we've got Thunderbird uh, 60.5.1. Uh, this is for Trusty, Xenial, Bionic, and Cosmic. So as well as the two uh, Skia library issues that were fixed, uh, we've also got uh, one where it would show that an S-MIME signature was valid for a particular message, even though it wasn't. In this case, uh, it would have to do with reusing a valid signature and parts of a valid message and then appending other content to it that would then be showed to the user and would be part of the valid uh, message, the email message. But the whole thing would be shown as having a valid signature, even though it didn't. So that's been fixed. Uh, there's also a use after free when parsing a HTML5 stream with custom HTML elements in it, as well as a use after free when parsing a specially crafted ICS or ICAL file via the embedded libICAL uh, library. We've got an update for NSS. So one CVE here that's been fixed across all of the releases that the security team deals with. That's precise extended security maintenance, trusty, Xenial, Bionic, and Cosmic. Uh, one CVE that had to do with several null pointer references that have all been fixed. Uh, so yeah, the kind of thing that would lead to a possible crash uh, and therefore denial of service. The last couple of things I want to talk about, uh, an update for OpenSSL. So one CVE here that was fixed for Xenial, Bionic and Cosmic. So this was fixing a possible padding oracle that was in OpenSSL. Basically, uh, an Oracle attack is the kind of thing where a, an application behaves differently depending on uh, how, say, the, uh, the ciphertext is modified by an attacker. In this case, to do with uh, the amount of padding that's in the message or not. And so if you're an application that's using OpenSSL uh, and you're feeding it the ciphertext to decrypt, OpenSSL will respond differently depending on the amount of padding that's been used in that or not. And so as an attacker, if you can modify that message on the wire, you can observe how OpenSSL behaves differently and essentially learn what the contents of the plain text is without actually having to be able to decrypt it. So that's been fixed. The last thing we want to look at is a couple CVEs that have been fixed for uh, the GD, libgd graphics library. So uh, this is two CVEs for trusty, Xenial, Bionic and Cosmic. Uh, a double free uh, if we had failed to properly uh, decode uh, an image in the first place would lead to a crash and therefore denial of service and a possible heap based buffer overflow uh, when doing color matching. So if you could specially craft an image uh, with particular color matching uh, parts to it, you could cause uh, the heap based buffer overflow, therefore uh, likely crash and therefore denial of service, but uh, possible code execution depending on how you can manipulate the heap as a, a result of your buffer overflow. Okay, that takes us to the end of the uh, security updates for the week. The next thing I want to talk about uh, was a re report that was released by Capsulate that was comparing Linux hardening uh, in the wild, as I said. 
So they were looking at uh, the various hardening features that you can turn on uh, both within the kernel and within the toolchain GCC and comparing how different distributions had turned these on or not and how many of these had been turned on and how many say binaries within their archives had their features turned on that kind of thing. So they compared uh, OpenSUSE, Debian, uh, CentOS, Red Hat, Enterprise Linux and Ubuntu and various versions of each uh, distribution as well. And they've done a very detailed analysis. Uh, they've looked at uh, both, as I say, kernel uh, hardening features, uh, particularly different things that are coming out of the kernel self-protection project. And they've looked at uh, toolchain features, so various features within GCC that can be turned on. And uh, I've got a link to the report in the show notes. I'm not going to go into all of the details here, but if you want to read it, I suggest you do. It is a great report. Uh, as I say, a lot of detail there. But one of the conclusions they come to is that Ubuntu 18.04 in particular ranks very high. And that's really great uh, for us as a security team to see because obviously we put a lot of effort into trying to make sure that we are leveraging as many of these hardening features uh, that are available upstream to us as possible. And in particular, making sure that as much of the archive that gets built is turning these things on as well. Uh, there are a couple things there to note. So we are using a relatively recent kernel in uh, 1804, that's the 4.15 kernel. So there are more uh, upstream kernel hardening features available for us to turn on, and we try to turn on as many of those as we can, like I said. So that's really good to see that being recognized. And I guess I want to shout out to the kernel self-protection project uh, upstream, in particular Case Cook, who used to be uh, you know, one of the founding members of the Ubuntu security team. And... He helped establish a lot of the practices that we still use today. So yeah, that's helping, I guess, make everyone more secure as time goes on, which is great. And part of what Case also introduced was uh, basically patching GCC to turn on the hardening features for the toolchain. So as I mentioned, we scored quite highly in this report as to how many of the GCC features we were using as well. And as I said, part of uh, what we do is we actually patch GCC directly to turn this stuff on. We don't say just set it within the environment so that C flags automatically has these things. Uh, GCC itself is going to turn these features on automatically for you, almost no matter what you set your C flags to, uh, unless you set your C flags to explicitly disable them. And so what this means is that if you are a software developer and you are building software on an Ubuntu uh, host system, you will get these features for free as well. And we even see this in the case of the Snap Store. So if you are publishing a Snap and you're building it on, uh, say, Ubuntu 18.04, your Snap will automatically have all of these hardening features turned on by default. Or in the case that you are using the build.snapcraft.io service to have your Snap automatically built uh, on the canonical infrastructure, you will get these features for free as well too. So that's really cool to see. Uh, and as I said, I want to um, shout out to Case because he was one of the ones that advocated for that feature being patched into GCC, kind of being unconditionally turned on, which is, as I say, really good to see that benefit kind of rolling out to anyone that uses Ubuntu and builds their software on Ubuntu as well. Uh, so related to that, one of the things they did mention in the report is that unfortunately Ubuntu is missing the stack clash um, mitigation feature from GCC. And we've talked about this in a previous episode, uh, but yeah, this is something that the team is looking at adding in particular during the 1910 development cycle. Uh, so whatever the 1910 release is, that will be uh, E. So electric eel, who knows Who knows what it will be called, but uh, yeah, we're looking at turning that on there. And in particular, we're also looking at trying to turn on the control flow integrity support that's in GCC as well, so that that can be used on uh, hardware that supports it. 
So yeah, hopefully we will see that rolling out in the future, uh, in the not too distant future. And as well, we're going to be reviewing uh, the kernel self-protection projects recommendations against our kernel configuration and seeing if there are any more options that we can turn on there. And in particular for uh, whichever kernel gets used for that release to see if there are new features we can take advantage of as well. So yeah, some things to look out there in the future for uh, hardening for Ubuntu. Okay, the other thing I wanted to do was talk about some questions that we've had sent. So in particular, we had a question from Doc E. Brown via Twitter, uh, who asked, uh, basically, do all the recent bugs uh, and regressions within GoScript, and as I keep calling it, the gift that keeps on giving, does that indicate that GoScript is kind of getting a bit long in the tooth and reaching the end of its natural life? Uh, so a great question, Doc E. Brown. Uh, you know, I, I responded on Twitter, but I wanted to highlight it here. So from my point of view, uh, I think unfortunately, no, this does not mean that we are seeing GhostScript reach the end of its life. GhostScript is one of those packages that is used in uh, many different places and covers a very large uh, amount of functionality. And there just isn't really anything else that could uh, replace it that is kind of safer. So, so what we're really seeing here is a bit of a phenomenon that we've had different security researchers, in particular Tavis Ormandy from Google Project Zero, uh, having a close look at GhostScript in the last sort of six months and finding uh, different issues. And for each of these, uh, there's kind of been increasingly um, complex amounts of fixes that have needed to be done to GhostScript to be able to avoid these problems that have been found. And so for some of these, that's then caused regressions. So basically for every new bit of code you write, there's always the chance that you're introducing new bugs. And in, you know, as we saw even this last week, you know, a new bug where we were printing all pages with a blue background, uh, not a great result. So, you know, even if you're more secure, you're suddenly now wasting a heap of blue ink. I'm not sure that's necessarily the best trade-off. Uh, but, you know, these things are getting found and fixed pretty quickly, which is good to see. Uh, but yeah, as I say, it's just, I think, the nature of, you know, these packages having more of a closer eye on them. Part of that too, though, is that, you know, I don't think we've exhausted all of the possible bugs that are in GhostScript. I'm sure there are probably still more there. It's just that uh, people have kind of, you know, they've spent their fill looking at GhostScript, uh, moved on to other things, and probably when uh, someone else goes to have another look at that package in another six or 12 months' time, they will probably find more issues. So I think, unfortunately, GhostScript certainly is not dead in terms of its uh, usefulness, but probably even in terms of its you know, ability to offer up more security vulnerabilities, there are probably still more uh, waiting to be found there. Uh, but yeah, no, thanks very much for that great question, Docky Brown. Uh, and then, yeah, if anyone else, if you have questions, you're listening to this, you've got things that you want to ask the team or wonder what our opinions are, please make sure that you contact us. And finally, as I mentioned in last week's episode, we have three open positions, uh, one for an Ubuntu security generalist, uh, one for a robotic security engineer, and one for a security automation engineer. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already a reasonable candidate for any of these positions. In particular, if you have a background in ROS or in robotics, you'd be a great fit for the robotic security engineer. Or if you're someone with a DevOps background, the security automation engineer would probably fit you well too. Yeah, so uh, the links for each of those is in the show notes, and I urge you if you're interested please apply uh, we're looking for people from all over the world uh, these roles are home-based so you're very flexible um, yeah, i urge you please take a look and apply we would love to have you as part of our team all right uh, so that takes us to the end of the show if you want to get in contact please do so please ask us questions you can reach us at security you can also find the team hanging out in the ubuntu harden channel on the freenode irc network or you can reach us on twitter at ubuntu underscore sec Okay, so until next week, remember, keep calm, enable automated upgrades, and I will speak to you soon. Thanks very much for listening. Bye.